Hi, I'm Rick Schwartz. And I'm Ebony Monet. Welcome to Amazing Wildlife, where we explore unique stories of wildlife from around the world and uncover fascinating animal facts. This podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance, an international nonprofit conservation organization that oversees the San Diego Zoo and Safari Park. We're highlighting a new species each episode, and today's conversation is dedicated to the alala, also known as the Hawaiian crow. The alala is endemic to the Hawaiian islands, meaning up until 2002, that's the only place it was found. But since then, it's been considered extinct in the wild. We're going to discover how San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance's efforts are helping to save the alala, as well as why these small yet significant blackbirds are so important. Rick, many people probably have never seen an alala. Does it have a special look or, or sound? For the most part, the alala, also known as you said, the Hawaiian crow, looks a little bit larger than the crows we have here on the mainland, but also maybe a little bit smaller than the ravens we have, so kind of in between. And interestingly enough, they do have a slightly different dialect, which means their their calls sound different. It was really fascinating when I got to go to Hawaii and, and see our, our bird conservation site and hear that they have sort of this... I don't know, the, the cause and the screeches, if you will, they just sound a little bit different. And it was notable enough, even to me, I'm not a, like an official birder, but I could tell that that sounded just a little bit different. So why is a crow like the alala so important? Well, there was a time when the alalas were one of the largest native bird populations in Hawaii. So when you think about the, the large population, they obviously fill an important role in the ecosystem. And we have learned in the absence of them being in the wild, there's sort of this cascading effect in the environment. You know, most notably, I think we could say because they are seed dispersers of native plants, so they'll eat the fruits and the seeds will pass through. Uh, this is a really important part for making sure then the rest of the ecosystem flourishes. And of course, all the other animals that rely on it too. Now, not only do the, the plants rely on the alala for seed dispersal, but also some of them for seed germination. So essentially, the way the plant structures the outer coating of the seed, it's too hard and too tough for water to penetrate unless it goes through an animal's digestive system first. We see this in other plants as well. So the absence of the alala not only prevents seed dispersal, but also then prevents the seeds from being able to germinate. So without the alala, some plants start to go away as well. What caused the alala to disappear from the Hawaiian Islands? That's something I was curious about, too, when I first went over there to see our conservation center and see what was going on. And unfortunately, uh, it's sort of the perfect combination of several things. And I hate, I hate to use the word perfect because that usually means something good. But in this case, it was just uh, several things kind of lined up that caused the collapse of the population. So it was a combination of the loss of the native habitat. Uh, a lot of areas were cleared for logging and for just honestly for human use, for pastures and, and for farming. And then you, you couple that with invasive species being introduced to the region. So rats were never there before, domestic cats, which also then roamed the area. And then here's an interesting one. They brought in some mongoose to try and control other populations uh, of what they considered pest animals. But the mongoose ended up also being a problem for many, many bird species because the mongoose love their eggs. So when, when all of this kind of gets added together, um, it just kind of became that perfect storm for the, the collapse of the population. So, Rick, what would you say to someone questioning the ongoing conservation efforts, people who believe that 
natural selection should determine if a species continues. Natural selection being the process that a species or organism that's better adapted to in their environment um, is therefore more likely to survive and pass on their genes. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you brought this up, Ebony, because this is something that we do get questioned on when it comes to a lot of our conservation efforts. And and so I think if natural selection was the cause of the population decline, then yes, that is something we should discuss and really look at. But you know, as we mentioned, in the case of the Alala, as with many species, the problems they face are human-made. And so we really have to pay attention to what we're doing and what we can do to kind of fix what, what has been broken. And the good news is, because this is a human-made problem, well, the solutions kind of rest on our shoulders. We can figure this out and, and we can create these solutions as well. So what all is being done to restore the Alala population? Well, quite a bit. Like I said, I had the opportunity to go over there a few years back, and it's really impressive. Uh, but to give sort of a backstory, uh, since 1996, the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance has, has been breeding these critically endangered Alala at the Bird Conservation Center in Hawaii. And our team monitors breeding activity using remote cameras. Uh, we remove eggs from nests so we can artificially incubate them and hand-rearing the nestlings. And, and this is important. Some people are like, well, wait, why are you removing eggs from the nest? See, artificial incubation and hand-rearing often results in a greater hatching and fledgling success, meaning we, we have a greater success in seeing these little eggs and chicks become adults. And this is partially because some females don't incubate their eggs or feed their nestlings properly the first time. A lot of first-time moms in the wild just don't take to parenting very well. And so you lose that opportunity of that generation. Oh, and the other thing, removal of eggs for artificial incubation is really important too because many times this will trigger the female bird to lay a second clutch, meaning a second set of eggs. So in one breeding season, potentially you can double the amount of eggs that are laid by doing this process. So it's actually very important. And of course, all of this work is, is pretty, pretty intense. You know, they do a lot to really manage the results that we're getting to increase that population. And, and now, since this started, I think there was uh, roughly, if I remember correctly, about 20 birds in the late 1990s to uh, today we're about 110 or so, which is really impressive. And we'll talk more about the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance-led efforts to reintroduce the Alala to the Hawaiian Islands right after this. Now it's time for the San Diego Zoo Minute, an opportunity for you to learn what's new at the zoo. The San Diego Zoo has one of the largest colonies of Galapagos tortoises in the world. We've had these giants in our care since 1928, and one of the tortoises, Grandma, just celebrated her 137th birthday. And hey, did you know that all tortoises lack teeth? So when Grandma ate watermelon on her birthday to celebrate, she used the bony outer edges of her mouth to bite it off and mash it. Today we're learning about the alala, also known as the Hawaiian crow. Unfortunately, they've been listed on IUCN's red list as extinct in the wild since 2002. San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance is working with partners including U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, National Park Service, and the Hawaii Department of Land and Natural Resources Division of Forestry and Wildlife to reestablish the Alala population in their native habitats. Let's welcome San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance President and Chief Executive Officer, Paul Baerbalt. Hi, Paul. Hello, Ebony. Great to see you again. 
So, Paul, how did we get here? Why did the Alala disappear from the Hawaiian Islands? Well, it's really a fascinating story. If uh, you look over the years, non-native cats, dogs, rats, and mongooses have been introduced to the Hawaiian Islands. And like many native birds, the Alala didn't successfully adapt to avoid these invasive species. Additionally, some of these species, such as cats, actually introduced new diseases. And these threats only intensified as the forest habitats grew more fragmented or were destroyed due to various factors. So can you talk more about, you know, what's being done now? What's the work going into saving these Hawaiian crows? Well, since 1996, we have bred the critically endangered ala at the Keho and Maui Bird Conservation Centers. And the importance of the work has intensified as the number of ala in the wild continued to plummet. So tell us more details about the work that goes into saving the ala. Well, there's a lot that goes into it, Ebony. Our, our approach starts with monitoring the ala breeding activity using remote cameras. This is in preparation for releasing birds that will one day reproduce in the wild. We are encouraging parent birds to raise their chicks completely on their own so they can be more successful, independent parents in the future. So how's it going overall? What's been the outcome of the program? Well, our efforts have increased the population from fewer than 20 birds in the late 1990s to over 110 birds today. And we've proven we can successfully recover birds in our past if we look at the success we've had with the California condor. So that's amazing to go from 20 to more than 100 birds um, today. What are the next steps? Well, all successful conservation work requires partnerships, and that is certainly no different here. We are collaborating, as you mentioned earlier, with the Division of Forestry and Wildlife with the Hawaii Department of Land and Natural Resources to release the ala back into their native habitats. But our challenge continues to be providing the ala with the skills they need to thrive and breed successfully after reintroduction. This work includes gathering data to improve the crow's survival rates after release. So the birds almost need to be taught how to survive in nature. Can you describe some of the necessary skills? Absolutely. We've learned that releasing juvenile birds in social groups and providing them with supplemental food results in higher survival rates for the first year after release. We are also working on teaching the birds predator avoidance behaviors to encourage them to respond faster to natural predators. Recovering these iconic wine birds will continue to require innovation and collaboration to help them thrive in their native forests. Amazing work. Thanks for sharing how science and technology is being used to reintroduce the alala back into the Hawaiian islands, where they're so important to the health and vitality of the forest. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. Well, that wraps it up for the alala. I'm Ebony Monet. And I'm Rick Schwartz. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe and listen to our next episode, where we discuss an animal that, when standing on the ground, can still look in a second-story window. For more information about the San Diego Zoo and San Diego Zoo Safari Park, go to sdzwa.org. Amazing Wildlife is a production of iHeartRadio. Our producer is Nakia Swinton. Our executive producer is Marcy DePina. Our audio engineer and editor is Amita Ganatra with assistance from Matt Stillo and James Foster. For more shows from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 